Today we'll look at the world's smallest full-frame mirrorless camera and I'll ask the question if a full-frame camera can really deliver medium format level quality. This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 872 for July the 18th, 2019. Hey, hello and welcome. It's Chris Marquardt. You're listening to Tips from the Top Floor, episode 872. And uh, yeah, it's summer. <laughs> it's hot. We're actually at the beginning of another heat wave here in Germany. Um, 90s, mid-90s temperatures. Uh, yeah, but uh, the villa, the viewfinder villa is keeping the heat out. At least for now. It's an old house. Big walls, thick walls. So there's a good chance we'll, we'll be at least good for a few days until everything heats up. And then when it gets colder outside, we'll have an issue getting on the heat out again. Uh, anyway... Um, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about weather. I've given up on that. Um, yeah, a little introduction. Um, I don't have her here right now, but check out this week's uh, The Future of Photography episode, episode 89. And say hello to our new addition to the team. Yep, on episode 89, uh, we do a little introduction with Emer King. She's the fourth voice on the show. Uh, you might know over a year ago, um, Adrian and I started this little podcast, The Future of Photography. And yeah, we have recently done a casting. And uh, one person you already heard here on the show, Jeremiah Chechik. And yeah, uh, TFOB, <laughs> TFOB, that's what we call it, The Future of Photography, TFOB, is a playground for us. And it's a playground with four people now. Which and everyone coming from a very different direction, so that that's that's a lot of potential for great discussions. Um, so there's Adrian Stock from London, in the UK. He's very much into film photography. Uh, he also co-hosts the Sunny Sixteen podcast, and then yeah, just our new addition, Emer King. She's from Ireland, and she has an arts background. And then there's uh, Jeremiah Chechik from Los Angeles, who's not only a photographer but He's pretty close to the latest tech in photography and movie making because he's a Hollywood director. And then, of course, yeah, there's me <laughs> trying to keep all this together. And I don't really have any special qualifications. <laughs> Why are you even listening to me? So, yeah, we are we're putting a lot into uh, TFOP right now. And uh, maybe you want to check it out. There's lots of interesting stuff that we have lined up for you. And you can find it wherever you find your other podcasts. The Future of Photography. Uh, what else is new? Talked about the heat wave. Talked about TFOP. Yeah. Let's talk about cameras. Yeah, no. <clears throat> I, I don't really talk about, uh, about cameras that much. About specific cameras. But there have been two announcements that I... Um, yeah, that at least made me uh, look up from what I was doing. It's like, oh, really? Let me see. Let me have a closer look. And of course, yeah, you have probably heard about the Sony A7 Mark IV announcement. I can, everyone's kind of talking about this. Uh, with its, I don't know, 60 megapixels, uh, like other features and stuff that was made better. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> it doesn't really tickle me. Um... 
the one announcement that piqued my interest is the is the uh, is the other one which was the Sigma FP. I think personally I think it's a really exciting camera announcement. Um and I'll get to, I'll get back to the Sony in a minute but let's stick with the Sigma just for for a couple seconds. Um t- Sigma FP. Now Sigma is known for making lenses and for their <clears throat> cameras with a foveon sensor, which is different than from the Bayer, the different than the Bayer area sensor, and um, the name, yeah, I don't know. I mean, FP they say it's Fortissimo Pianissimo. That's what it stands for. But <laughs> and if you're a musician, you know that FP doesn't stand for Fortissimo Pianissimo. <laughs> That's different. FF is Fortissimo. PP is no P, not that PP. PP lowercase p lowercase p is the pianissimo and fp is 40 piano and that means something different anyway i'm nit i'm so nitpicky but hey there's a musician somewhere inside of me and uh that's my musical ocd kicking in so yeah yeah and yeah and i've asked them i've asked them here the sigma germany if they would send me one and they declined they said no i mean not that they probably can send out any right now again the cameras also announced for fall so i don't know what the situation is but um yeah sigma germany is not interested in letting me test it i would i would talk about this for weeks on the show but hey uh you're bad sigma um now i said it doesn't have a foveon sensor that's a first for sigma they use a a full frame Bayer sensor in there, so a different way of mixing the colors. Foveon, if you don't know, uh, if you look at a Bayer array, um, B-A-Y-E-R, just Google it and you'll see one, Uh, it's red, green, and blue next to each other. So there's some interpolation going on and some uh, blurring because of that. And the Foveon sensor is like, it's more like film. It has them on top of each other. So each pixel on the sensor has all colors. And there is some advantages, but there's also some disadvantages in terms of the the, the the sensitivity, pretty much. You cannot really do a good high ISO with a foveon sensor, at least not yet. Otherwise, I'd like, kind of like the concept, but still fighting with the sensitivity side. Um, and they claim that this is, well, when this comes out, this will be the smallest full-frame camera in the world. 4.3 inches wide. Which is, which is not too big. Yeah, there. Are, I I have a couple of uh, smaller full frame film cameras, but this is definitely the smallest full frame digital camera out there when it comes out. And it's an interesting beast. Uh, first of all, I kind of like the min- minimal design, uh, while still maintaining like uh, a decent amount of buttons. I'd say so. You have on top. You have the the shutter button you have a wheel of like a an index finger wheel uh in front of your right hand uh, you have a a power button and you have the cine versus still switch so uh that kind of tells you that the camera is not only a still camera but it's also a cinema camera uh, and then it has a dedicated record recording button a red uh rec button for video and yeah this is an interesting hybrid because not only is it the smallest full frame camera it shoots 4k video um and it has a whole bunch of professional video features like zebra and waveforms and so on uh time code even so yeah 
this is this is a little if if it works out the way I hope it will, it's a little production beast. Um, it shoots twelve bit raw video, so uh, for those of you who want to like get high quality out of this, um, I, I would expect this to be pretty good. And twelve uh, bit raw video isn't small, so you would uh, you can hook up an external SSD. It has a USB C port, I think, and then you can record that video straight to the external SSD. So yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Um, it's also kind of it has a few features that I find. It has a boxy design, right? It's it's a little brick. Um, it's not not ergonomically shaped, but you can add like grips and stuff if you want to. Um, I think that comes with two different, or, or you can get two different external grips for it, hand grips. Um, but then there's also on the left and the right side, in addition to the quarter inch tripod thread on the bottom there's another one on the left and another one on the right side so this makes it very flexible when it comes to mounting i don't know on a drone hmm, or mounting it uh in a in a video rig in a, in a movie production rig so yeah not uh not too bad looking um it has an l mount l is the leica mount the new one um, and uh, they have uh, they are part of the L mount alliance that is between Sigma, Leica, and Panasonic. And uh, yeah, it seems that that is moving in the right in in a, in a good direction because they have a decent amount of lenses already. And by the end of twenty twenty, uh, there's announcements from everyone pretty much uh, Leica, Panasonic, and Sigma. So by the end of twenty twenty, I, th- I I didn't count them, but it feels like there will be. I don't know, at least 50 or 60 lenses available for that are interchangeable between all these three brands. So that is kind of exciting. Um, other than that, it's kind of modular, right? There's accessories, like there's a hot shoe that you, you can... Actually, yeah, it doesn't come with a hot shoe. You have to... You can plug in and screw to the side an adapter that... Uh, I think it plugs into the HDMI port, but it also acts as the flash trigger, so you have a proper hot shoe if you need one. Um, but then, the, I mean, the size, of course, there's also some sacrifices, which um, we also have to talk about. And maybe those will curb my enthusiasm a bit when I finally get to try it out, if I get to try it out. Um, and that is, well, it doesn't have a viewfinder, right? It's only screen, only only, only the LCD on the back. But you can, I guess, hook up an external one. So lack of viewfinder. I'm a viewfinder guy. <laughs> I want my viewfinder. Uh, yeah. Also, we don't have any idea about the battery life of this camera. Hey, it could be awesome. But the size, I, yeah, I'm not sure. The size and this being a mirrorless camera that relies on the, on the screen on the back being on. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Um, did I talk about the buttons? Um, yeah, okay, so, so they managed to cram in like nine buttons on the back of the camera around the display and a thumb wheel, which is good. So uh, you will have access to the most important things at least. Um, but one thing that is a bit of a head scratcher for me, and of course that has been sacrificed for the size is the mechanical shutter the camera doesn't have one there's only an electronic shutter in there and for those of you who know electronic shutters there's a 
likelihood, well, it's not even a likelihood, it will have some level of rolling shutter, which is, I mean, you've, you've seen those videos that, that uh, someone shot with a smartphone of a rotating propeller on an airplane and you get all these bent out of shape uh, blades. Um, that's rolling shutter. So stuff that moves, that moves uh, perpendicular, well, not even perpendicular, that moves any direction on uh, on the screen or on the sensor. Um, the way this is being read line by line, uh, there will be an effect. We have no idea how bad it's going to be. Um, the CEO of Sigma made when he made the announcement, he said he said something about yeah, there will be rolling shutter, but he didn't get too specific about that. So that's but that's the only thing that kind of yeah makes me scratch my head so yeah anyway um the camera is announced for fall the sigma fp um of this year fall of this year 2019 and there's no price yet and yeah it's not cheap it's definitely uh, yeah don't expect this to be a cheap camera miniaturization is expensive it, they had to do a lot of engineering on this i'm pretty sure and uh, my guess is, I have no idea. I would say the body. Eh. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say something. Um, you can get back to me and tell me that that was wrong. But <laughs> if it's out in, in fall, uh, my guess is it's going to be around $4,000. So yeah, there, I said it. Now back to the Sony, okay? Um they also announced their camera, the uh, A7 Mark IV, uh, for fall this year. Their price point is $3,500. Um, and yeah, it's full of awesome features. There's some headline features here, they're like 61 megapixels. Yay! Uh, better. <laughs> Yay! As in, oh my God, I have to buy new computers and my Lightroom is going to be even even slower and yeah, nah. I, I, I could, honestly, I couldn't care less about the amount of megapixels. Again, the FP is like 24 megapixels. I'd rather have 24 than 61, to be honest. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, they have like better autofocus and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi and uh, pixel shift. That, that's kind of interesting. Um, if you really need the high megapixels, if that is something that is important because you want to print your pictures in, I don't know, um, Bertinsky size, right? Wall wall size. <laughs> the, then then uh, there's a pixel shift function in there, which moves the sensor and takes several pictures for up to, I think, 240 megapixels. Yeah, 240 megapixels. But of course, it only works with non-moving subjects and stuff. And even landscapes move, you know, a little wind moves the blades of grass and stuff um so yeah limited use studio for sure architecture probably um and, and on and all i mean it's an interesting package right especially if you're already in the uh sony ecosystem if you have lenses if you have the accessories that go with it with a if you have the 70 uh not 70 the a7 mark i don't know two or three yeah Maybe the jump is big enough for you, um, and maybe you have a need, and then sure, it's your camera. Um, but anyway, um, when I saw this, also almost at the same time, I saw an article 
on Petapixel titled The Lie of Medium Format Level Quality. And um, yeah, I want to talk about that right after this. This episode is supported by Nations Photo Lab. This spring, refresh your wall decor and get 15% off with Nations Photo Lab. Start with classic photo prints made by photographers for photographers, available in more than 60 sizes, so you can print as small as 3.5 by 5 or as large as 30 by 45. If you have photos that are more akin to museum quality artwork, print on canvas to create a scene of decor that belongs in the Louvre. To ensure your images look as vibrant as can be, try their best-selling metal prints or or if you have more of a down-to-earth vibe, put your images on wood print wraps. Print it on real wood for a rustic, unique look. Don't limit your wall decor dreams. Create a gallery wall the way you imagine by mixing and matching different wall art mediums. Ordering online is easy, so you can turn your Instagrams into instant memories that will last for years to come. Make every moment matter. Try Nations Photo Lab today and head to nationsphotolab.com and use code TOP15 for 15% off your order. That's nationsphotolab.com code top 15 top15 and I thank them for the support all right back to the article um, on petapixel the lie of medium level quality um, and okay this is an article uh, written by Blair Bunting and I do not disagree with the title okay medium format level quality uh, is something that manufacturers love to toss around because Hey, uh, who would not like to be associated with what's perceived to be so much better? And if you, if you look at the, the, the Hasselblads and other medium format cameras on the market, yeah, they are kind of desirable, right? And they are perceived of being so much better, even though they are just in a few respects. But, I mean, come on, a digital Hasselblad... I mean, Hasselblad cameras have been on the moon. Uh, correction they still are on the moon because they didn't bring them back to save on weight so if you want a, a free Hasselblad go to the moon there are a bunch of them <laughs> they they only brought the film back so so the article is titled the lie of medium format level image quality and again so far I'm with Mr. Bunting uh, because if, if you look at the Sony announcement they used that sentence they talked about the medium format level quality and uh, they, they're making use of that and of course that is pretty much down to the number of megapixels right and uh uh so so that that's what mr bunting has uh, as the, kind of the point in his article um he talks about the megapixel and i think i believe that he misses the point a bit. No offense, but <laughs> I I have a different opinion here. Um, now he he says that uh, he he's a he has a disclaimer right at the beginning of the article that he's a Hasselblad ambassador. So I, I understand that he has a reason to attack Sony's claim of medium format quality because it's a direct attack on Hasselblad pretty much, uh, and on some of the others. But the only thing he talks about in the article is the amount of megapixels and. Yeah, I mean the Sony camera that uh, the the Mark IV now has like over sixty megapixels, which is impressive. Um, but then there's like yeah, there's a Phase One back out there that, that does one hundred and fifty. So yeah, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I know the Sony can use its pixel shift for non-moving subjects, which can 
increase the resolution up to 240 megapixels. Again, it's impressive. Um, you would also do this with any camera pretty much by stitching. Again, non-moving subjects, just shoot 16 tiles, 4 by 4 and you will have you will have your easily have your 240 megapixels and um yeah, anyway, uh, the argument that I'm missing is not the one about megapixels, which is an argument you can make. Nothing against that. But it's the argument of sensor size. That is the number of centimeters or inches and the surface that the sensor covers. Because that, for me, is the major defining criterion. And I'm not sure why he's not talking about that. Maybe he hasn't... Uh, I mean, that's that's a bold claim, but maybe he hasn't shot real medium format. I mean, yeah, he's a Hasselblad ambassador. I do not doubt that he shoots Hasselblad cameras. Um, but what sensor sizes are we actually talking about? And because I have to... I have to talk about medium format and where it comes from. And it comes from 120 film, which is six centimeters wide, 60 millimeters wide. And I know that at least a lot of the, not all of them, but most of the medium, digital medium format cameras are not six centimeters wide. The sensor isn't that large. It's smaller. It's uh, somewhere in between full frame and film medium format. So um, the moment you shot film medium format um or the moment i shot it that's when my eyes were opened that's when i when i went oh wow now i get it so yeah um and of course i mean there's there's the basic optical things that happen uh written about this in the in the wide angle book um and that is that with a bigger sensor it's so much easier to go more wide angle because the the same focal length will will have different angles of view depending on the size of the sensor. Uh, as an, I mean, as an example, let's just take an eighty millimeter lens, eight zero millimeters, which again on a micro four thirds, that's a decent telephoto. Yeah, uh, if you put that same eighty millimeter lens on a full frame camera, it's a light a light telephoto, not as strong, but it'll make for a good portrait lens. Most most famous portrait lenses are in that range. Um, if you put that 80 millimeter lens on a medium format camera, it'll, yeah, it'll be a normal lens. It'll cover the same angle as a 50 millimeter does on a full frame camera. So that's the normal focal length. That's the default lens for a medium format camera, 80 millimeters. And then, of course, put that on a on a 4x5 large format camera. That's 4x5 inches, which is... <laughs> so much bigger than even full frame uh, or medium format and then that 80 millimeter uh, lens is a pretty good wide angle very good wide angle so yeah the, the possibilities for wide angle are really intriguing when you cross over to the bigger sensor formats so that is one thing that i was missing there um and that is yeah the media format has it easier to go wide angle so compare so the Sony doesn't really compare in that respect. Um and I, I mean I st I still wish I could find a Linhoff Technorama that that I could afford. That's a medium format panorama camera uh film. <laughs> but it's yeah. 
if you have one, <laughs> let me know. One can dream. Uh, yeah, so the angle of view is one thing. But then there's another one, uh, another parameter, and it has to do with transitions. And you can see that. Again, we're talking film medium format here. And if you if you grab the cheapest medium format camera you can find, which is probably something along the lines of a Holger, uh, which is a cheap Chinese plastic camera. Um, do they make them again? They stopped making them for a while. I don't know. You could get them used. Again, it's a cheap, a cheap, cheap plastic camera, plastic lens, uh, shoots, but it shoots medium format, six by six centimeters square format, like the Hasselblads do. Um, and again, that's a huge surface compared to most digital formats. And then if you look at the resulting photos, uh, there's a chance that you will notice something. And it is the transitions, the creamy, yeah, cre creamy is not really a technical term, but uh, now it is, the, the creamy transition to the bokeh. And I'm not talking about lens design and how one lens has better bokeh than other, you know, that's, yeah, there are some that are better, some that are worse, or kind of depends on your def definition of what is good or bad bokeh. I'm talking about how the in-focus part of the picture transitions into the out-of-focus part of the picture. And <laughs> if you weren't aware of that until now, then there's a good chance you won't be able to not see it from now on. Um, Here's an example. If you own a copy of the Film Photography Handbook, which, by the way, new uh, second edition coming out later this year, so um, that's definitely in the books. Um, yeah, the Film Photography Handbook, um, that's the book on film photography that Monica and I wrote about four years ago. Um, you open it up, go to page 29, and have a look at the picture of the at the bottom of the page. Uh, it's a photo of a jacket on a park bench. Black and white film photo of a jacket on a park bench. I think it was taken with a Pentax 6.7, which is a uh, 6 by 7, 6 centimeters by 7 centimeters uh, camera. So it's a bit bigger than the square format. Um, and look at the transition from the in-focus to the out-of-focus Um areas of the picture with the, the go, go with your eyes and slide along that bench into the background and that creamy trends i've only seen this with formats larger than full frame and it's hard it's something that's hard to fake and uh, so yeah the number of megapixels is one thing and it, well, now we know the medium format cameras are still ahead of full frame cameras there Again, phase one, 150 megapixels. Um, but yeah, the really important thing for me is the size of the sensor and what that brings with it. And so, yeah, I think I think that article just uh, <laughs> doesn't really get to the point that I think is important. Anyway, enough about that. Peace. 
And that was it for this episode. Thanks again to Nations Photo Lab for sponsoring the episode. And of course, thanks to all of you wonderful, smart and good-looking patrons who actively support this show. You deserve to be part of it. And so here is the list of Patreon supporters. Jeremy Kirvin, Jeffrey Blog, Alex Crozo, Bernhard Goldbach, Daniel Hertrich, Doug Gabbard, Ken Davidson, Marco Binder, Matt Armstead, Peter Morrow, Scott Wurzel, Tom Stewart, Eran Pinasov, Stu Silberman, Alan Bruce Horn, Andrew B., Anthony, Bartek Boski, Chadley Clark, Chandra, Christopher Greenhill, Dave Smith, David Recht, Eng Kyung, Francesco Scalioni, Greg Anastasi, Holger Krupp, James Trimble, Jim Caldwell, John Donahue, Josh Hopko, Just Me AMR, Ken Berry, Karl Nishioka, Marvin Aaron, Michael Grunert, Peter M. Spreitling, Rob Duber, Robert Goschko, Ryan Gilio, Zina Fahad, Steven Sandler, Thomas Nielsen, Trevor Palmer and Woody. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And everyone else, if you want to hear your name on this show, consider joining this illustrious group of awesome people. Go to tfttf.com slash Patreon. Thank you so much. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, sound partner Hans Peter Kagerud, publishing and Slack challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Rasser, Armstead, Slack invitations by Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ. The link to get on the Slack is in the show notes or at tfttf.com slash yslack. And by the way, there's one week left for you to finish the current challenge, so uh, check it out on the Slack. My name is Chris Marquardt. You'll find me on social media at Chris M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. Now go out and take amazing photos, share them with the world, be nice to each other, and happy shooting. Happy shooting.